Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from MDR-approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here. Welcome back to Notice That. EMDR podcast. Uh, it's Melissa and I here today in the studio to talk about something that um, I think we both have a unique relationship with, but also um, I know for myself, I spend a lot of time talking with therapists from around the world about this idea of professional development, mm-hmm. um, what that means to us as a profession, but also as EMDR specific professional development. And then that somehow gets looped into the conversation about uh, am I taking the right trainings or pursuing mm. the right the right thing, whatever yes. it is. Yes. And so I thought that a conversation around professional development could be really uh, beneficial mm. for this podcast just to hear how we're thinking about it as something that all therapists, if they're licensed in any way, are required right. to have continuing ed. And are they are we able to think about that? in an intentional way or is it more of like a have to right just all of these things in the conversation so i kind of want to start with a question and a metaphor or maybe a question about a metaphor Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so when it comes to professional training professional development even education you know higher academia etc i find that there's some embodied metaphors that people have whether they're conscious of them or not around what that's for so i encounter one pretty commonly which i know you do too around that phrase that you used of i need to take the right training so my curiosity goes to the right training for what and i often ask people that question and the the metaphor that emerges when we're exploring that is if i take the right training then i will have this sensation of having arrived somewhere being allowed to do certain things. Um, so there's this uh, feeling of permission and um, yeah, to be certified means that now I'm a real therapist or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there, <clears throat> there's this uh, embodied metaphor around if I do professional development, then I will at some point be at a stopping point yeah. and will have arrived, have arrived at a particular point as a professional. And What I'm really aware of, I think particularly for you and I, that does not resonate very well. Arrival is not really a concept. No. And so I I felt curious um, recently because, you know, both of us are uh, in school still and probably will be forever. Forever. Because why not? Um, Well, and even in the why not, I want to circle back (laughs) to that because it's not just a, it's not just a well, I don't know what else I would do, so I might as well just continue in school. It, it really is for me like a, why go 
why not go to a place where knowledge is already somewhat the topic of discussion right. in a specific and field? Some synthesis happening. There's already yes. some embodied yeah. or implied, at least, synthesis. Mm -hmm. And then it's like a reference list that you're getting to add to. That's right. Instead and just like this, this is like, why both you and I love syllabi. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Because it's so like important. someone has taken the time to give me a, a structure, a course of learning, references, and sources that if I would like to deepen my knowledge and my skill and my confidence in this particular area, then I can follow this path that they have carefully curated for me, it feels personal Yeah, <laughs> for me or for whomever, um, that will give tremendous opportunity. And I think that maybe what feels really different for you and I is that learning feels more like perpetual fuel than a thing that I do to reach a particular goal. Yeah, or like a standard of competence right. to be mastered. Right. And so that's a really um, interesting metaphor to explore around professional development. And it really connects with some of the research around professional development and its ties to burnout. Mm -hmm. So if we consider this idea of what if professional learning is fuel that keeps us going in our profession, mm -hmm. not to go a particular place, not to have permission to do a certain thing, but if you want to be effective in your day, you need to eat food, mm -hmm. uh, which I say that to you with sincerity. You should do with that too. Actual language, <laughs> with yeah. sustenance. Yeah. Um, not just brain sustenance, yeah. but also body sustenance. That's it does important. loop in to me the other piece with, with this idea of internal versus external validation. Because mm. with yeah. syllabi interpretation or, or when somebody gets a syllabi, a lot of people, I think, look to the due dates first. What do you expect of me and when? Oh, okay. Yeah. Whereas I don't look at the due dates at all. Right. I look at the reference list yes. and the recommended reading uh -huh. because uh -huh. to me, that's that's the professor saying, okay, so you have the title of the course right. and then here's the references and the associated uh, or uh, additional material that we're going to use to approach that mm -hmm. title. Mm -hmm. which gives you a lot of information about how that professor interprets that topic. That's totally, yes. Right? Like, because that that's like one of the biggest questions of... That's the first of, difference you'll spot yes. between yourself and the professor. Yeah, it's like, ooh, do we align? Like, for instance, I'm taking a class right now, and I sent you the syllabi. Yes. <laughs> in pure excitement of, this Look. is a PhD class that is all the same references that we've used for somatic Tremendous integration overlap. processing. So this gives me... Tremendous insight into how aligned I'm going to be with the material and yeah. the professor and what topics we're going to be covering and other sources that I know about that aren't listed here. And I'm curious about why they're not on there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, I, I think what I'm wondering about is inviting people to kind of consider what it would feel like to think about learning very similarly to how we think about food, mm -hmm. that it is a necessity for continuing effectively in our work and growth yeah like we we need the nutrients yeah that come from exposing ourselves to new ideas mm -hmm. or old ideas from a different perspective we need the um, sustenance of interacting with other professionals that are curious about the same things that we're curious about mm -hmm. um, there's something so enlivening and enriching about that kind of process, not product, but the process of um, being bathed in new information that really nothing else 
can offer us. Yeah. 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 And I, I love this as the starting point of the conversation, because if we're talking about burnout, um, where I don't know if we can talk about professional development without this idea that every person in our field and other fields <laughs> face yeah. where the passion we entered the field with is extinguished yeah. by the weight and the lack of nutrient yes. balance in our life. Yes. Um, so much more output than input. Yes, yes. Yes. And the need to, again, just know how to please the other mm-hmm. with external validation that, mm-hmm. oh, I need to do this to meet the expectations yeah. to stay afloat. And usually there's some, I'm thinking of like an agency situation where there's some, um, you know, expectation or reputation or something that's driving why you would put up with just explicit exploitation. Yes. Like, you know, going into that yes. setting that you're going to be exploited. Yeah. How, why? You know, it's just like, why would you do that? Well, because there's what, a, yeah, yeah, there's either like, I don't know another way. Yeah. And so I want to be a therapist. And so I'm going to do this here. And I believe at least a little bit in the population that I'm mm-hmm. tasked mm-hmm. to work with. And so I want to do it. Or there's some like social justice, like I want to do this for this people group that isn't reachable in any other way. And I totally understand that. But if we're not talking about burnout with professional development in mind, to me, we're just like pailing water out of a sinking ship. Mm -hmm. Like, good luck Mm -hmm. with that. Well, and I I think what happens, um, you know, and we talk a lot about the the damaging nature of agency life for therapists is that necessarily with the level of exploitation and burden that many of us um, experience in those environments, like not to get too poetic about it, but it's like or romantic, or romantic but it, it sort of feels that way. It's like your, your flame begins to dim and eventually goes out. And that is what burnout Literally is. is. Like, yeah. like the the spark that we entered the field with. The burning passion yes, to be of service and yes, yes, healing. And to understand the human condition and understand what we are as an organism and all of that. How we heal, how we yeah. grow. And, or to, to just be in the presence of healing as a, as a profession, as a lifestyle. Like all of that that uh, originally invites us into considering this where we want to live our life. Um in that pressured environment and that objectifying environment, it dims. And when, when you take somebody who has this little tiny flickering flame, that's like almost out, and then you put them in a rich nutrient environment that is specifically focused on um, exposing them to new ideas, it reignites what they originally had in the first place and creates this very embodied reality of, oh my gosh, I have energy again. Mm-hmm. I have creativity again. Spontaneity. Spontaneity, curiosity. Yes. I have uh, experienced something that has broken me out of the rigidity of that pressured environment and invited me to imagine again why I love my work. Mm. And that is why educational environments, it's not just the information. Yeah. It's the environment of putting ourselves in the space of being a learner again and remembering again how vast this work is that we do and how beautiful it can be. And being around other professionals 
that are experiencing the same thing and are at various levels of passion, mm-hmm. um, I think gives us a mirror to look into and recognize where we are Yeah, um, for better or worse. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's really, you know, I think when we look at what what barriers or what um, challenges face practitioners in our field. The way we're talking right now, I would imagine sounds idealistic. Hmm. That it sounds pie in the sky in a mm-hmm. way. Like, well, yeah, that'd be great. But reality is right. the agency or the managed healthcare yeah. organism right. that every corner of the earth is now touched by. That if you're going to be a healer, which is not owned by any philosophy, you're going to have to do it in a way that the culture you're in recognizes and Mm. supports. Mm -hmm. And for us here in the West, that means you're going to be a therapist or a practitioner of medicine in some way, and you're going to have to then report to X, Y, and Z ethical agencies and maintain what they determine to be the standard of licensure. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to take continuing ed. You're going to have to maintain jurisprudence. You're going to have to do all of this stuff mm-hmm. that in some way we're told uh, keeps us in competence. Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think it's obvious what I think about that. <laughs> well, let's talk but, about it because I think what, it... You know, I'm sitting here in silence because what I'm doing is remembering. Mm. Like remembering living that life because that's, you know, I was born as a therapist in agency life and, you know, left at 32 due to health conditions and high blood pressure and all kinds of issues. The product of that environment. Um, But what is really interesting to me about, you know, thinking about what I was experiencing and all of that is that the reason why it was so hard for me to leave was because I was learning so much Mm. and I could feel that that was not the norm of the environment that I was in. I I was in a substance abuse treatment facility that had quite um, rigid ways of doing everything. And, you know, no surprise to anybody that knows me very well, that didn't go well. You know, my rigidity, <laughs> rigidity, not so much my thing. Yeah. Um, you know, my supervisor and I never got along, like she never wanted me hired in the first place. And so there, there was always this tension. But one of the main tensions was the the focus on learning and always believing that there was information out there that, that could help us do better. Mm. Um, and it was actually within agency life that both Jen and I got trained in EMDR. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I with don't, money from the agency, yes, right? which is fascinating. Yes. And I, uh, with money from the agency in, in Jen's case, yes, in my case, it was not the agency because they didn't want me to get trained in EMDR. Oh. So me being me, I went to the judge because we worked in a court. Um, oh yes. I remember the yes. story. You actually like petitioned. Yes. For yes. Funds. So I, I went and, you know, talked mm-hmm. to everybody that, um, I knew had enough power to override the people telling me no <laughs> and to give you this to, $1,500 yes, or whatever. $1,500. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was being paid. I think at that point I was making like 28 bucks a session. Yeah. <laughs> like I had an $800 paycheck and thought that that was pretty cool. Yes. I and I'm proud of that. I talk with so many clinicians who that is their story. Yeah. And it's still hard for me to imagine. 
Not yes. even just for myself, <laughs> but even to imagine that our culture could look at that and say that's acceptable. I agree. But at the time, like I, I fully like it. It I had been told for so long that this was just how it was going to be. Yeah. Um, that the fact that I at least made the minimum standard felt like I had arrived somewhere, um, which says a lot about where we are as an industry. Um, but it was actually the tension between my desire to implement what I was learning. And being in this rigid environment that was so not accepting of newness, mm. not accepting of creativity, that created this tremendous tension in my body uh, to stay in agency life. And I think coming out of that, um, which eventually, you know, I had to, um, really sort of illuminated for me how much of a value this is for me. In fact, it doesn't even feel like a chosen value. It's more like, I can't figure out another way to do this. Yeah, it's like a worldview identity yeah, mix. Like, like this is how I this is how I understand how to keep going. Um, and that's why that metaphor of this is sus sustenance, this is food, this is fuel. Without it, I have no energy to do what I do. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are experiencing that you know, encountering things like podcasts, like, oh my gosh, it feels so helpful to just listen to other professionals talk in a passionate way. Yes. And in, in, in an excited way. About relevant material. Yes, yes. And the learning is embedded in the passion. And the relationship that it yes. unfolds in. Yeah. Yes. And the passion is fueled by the learning. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that uh, knowing that that's true helps us know where to go when our, you know, little flicker of a flame is getting dimmer and dimmer, um, that there is a consistent place that we can go to mm -hmm. be reignited yeah. and reacquainted with why we are doing this in the first place. Yes. I had somebody recently tell me that, and they listen to the podcast, so you'll know who this is. Um, or you'll know as you listen to this that I'm talking about you, but um, that Beyond is an agency killer. Well, maybe it was just poacher. said as, or maybe poacher, <laughs> but I think that's the, that is the tension that yes. it, and I want to speak to that, not in a way of just saying, yes, that's exactly true. Mm -hmm. But why does it feel that way mm -hmm. to so many? Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about therapy and EMDR specifically as something that is about the person of the therapist, right. not the expectation that they're to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in that, there are, I think, some inherent uh, tension points with the, you know, mechanism of agency life mm -hmm. and leadership um, mm -hmm. with all of your staffings and mm -hmm. the different meetings that you have to go to and that actually keep you distracted from your work that you yes. got into the profession for. Yes. Um, and you can't actually identify what benefit it is to you in that passion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah, that's going to be something that we have tension mm -hmm. with. Oh, okay. So this makes me excited because I was thinking about this earlier and then moved on and forgot to say it, right? So first of all, the semantics of the word agency mm -hmm. applied in that context. We should talk about that sometime. Love that. Uh, yeah, like there's so much there. Um, so maybe we're returners of agency to its proper home. Rather than agency killers, yes, <laughs> that that could be cool. Um, but I I think that one thing that being a um, being a therapist and a healer that puts a high value and a high focus on professional development and ongoing learning, 
There's another thing that I think it protects us from, which is in traditional agency style settings and even in a lot of grad school settings, there is a desire by the individual, the student that's going through that process to collect the experiences and the achievements that can be worn like badges that say, I deserve to do this work. I'm allowed to do this work. And I agree with that. Like I, I need that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not. I don't think that that is a negative thing. Uh, there is a inborn need for rites of passage for us to feel equipped to do hard things. Yeah, to have gone through something yes. that then lets us go to another task. Yes, yeah. and and so I, I never, I never want to remove that because I really believe that is essential and helpful. The problem is, is that when our rites of passage as healers and therapists are an ethics class that scares the everything out of us um (laughs) cognitive behavioral therapy that feels you know heartless um a lot of the time yeah i mean i'm trying to choose a (laughs) yes like a dictatorship yes yes it's authoritarian yeah no authoritarian styles of therapy and we receive our training in a very authoritarian style rather than a A human style Mm -hmm. yeah um, the jurisprudence exam, all of these exams, all of these tests, all of these papers that we have very little freedom of expression in, mm-hmm. um, if those are our rites of passage, what that is preparing us to do is to be um, a rather not creative healer. Because all of those rites of passage are built within a system of rigidity mm and standardization objectification yes and objectification and so necessarily we have been trained to understand ourselves as a therapist and a healer from that perspective if that if those were the rites of passage Mm -hmm. that we were told we needed Um, in comparison to that if our rites of passage and the way that we understand our development is focused on this ongoing progression of learning and exposing ourselves to lots of diverse perspectives and how creative and spontaneous can I be in my work, much more of an artist rites of passage uh, perspective, what we end up with is healers that feel freedom mm-hmm. and subjectification yeah. and humanness in their To work. rediscover the creativity yes. that our professional origin trains out of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I think as a as an organization, Beyond is well positioned to be that lighthouse to other lighthouses. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time talking about this, but we really believe that what is important in this in this array of the professional landscape as healers, again, strange conjunction there, but the professional landscape of healers is that we need to be talking about healing healers. Yes. And that we believe is through embodied and relational professional development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we have lots of opportunities. <laughs> to so do, many. To do that. I do <laughs> A wanna, veritable buffet that's of right, options. Yes. And, and I do want to <laughs> circle back maybe to how is this conversation feeling specifically for EMDR therapists? Mm-hmm. Because what's interesting about these different intervention approaches in the professional development landscape is that they come with this regimented hmm. sort of expectation. Like, okay, yeah. so you're you're interested in becoming trained in EMDR. Right. First thing you need to know is there's basic training 
And then there's the process of certification. And then there's advanced trainings. And then there's advanced that. trainings. Yes. And yes. then there's consultant. Mm -hmm. And then there's like all of this is sort of like laid out for you in a, in mm -hmm. a sales pitch mm -hmm. <laughs> of here's what it means to become, mm -hmm. you know, the EMDR mecca. Yes. Um, which beyond is interestingly having accomplished it so it's interesting i recognize <laughs> the true. irony we we speak from that place of like we have we have we went jumped through all those yes yep. we yes have done that. we have yeah. advanced trainings we have basic mm -hmm. yeah all of this stuff but what this means to me because i and i know you are as well you're we're in conversation with people who are just emdr trained basic trained mm -hmm. and have no feeling of chasing the rabbit yeah of right. certification yeah. and consultant and trainer mm -hmm. um but this conversation is still meaningful because I don't want it to feel like we're just trying to like push people along that ladder. Mm, mm -mm. We're actually taking professional development and recontextualizing it, as you right. said, into this is the lifeblood of a healer. Yes. We call it, we talk funny, we call it professional development, but right. really it's how a healer continues to learn trade. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, that being a healer is a lifestyle commitment. Yes. And for me, at least, what that means, there, there's really kind of two, maybe three things that I would consider the core part of what a lifestyle of a healer is. I think the first and, and maybe the most important to me is that we are committed to our own ongoing healing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, for all of the obvious reasons that is true. And incredibly connected to that is we're committed to a lifestyle of learning mm -hmm. because Luckily, the information is continuing to be discovered and articulated and synthesized um, in helpful ways. And so to only be referencing the information of a decade ago or whenever I went to grad school. Which itself is a reference of 30 years ago. Yes. Like yes, that material because, is not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, academia is not always uh, totally up to uh, the minute in terms of research. In fact, rarely. No. Um, that's a different conversation. But that that uh, core tenant of to be a healer is to be um, exposing myself continuously to the information that the the world of healers um, is putting forth as relevant for yeah. the work that we do to be perpetually getting better not because we were bad um, but because to to be in the soup of all of that um, means that we're always able to offer our clients something mm -hmm. that has been uh, tested, proven, explored, experimented with by many others and not just in the privacy of our own room. Yeah. We're part of something larger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said two, or this, was there the third one? Oh, three for me is uh, the relationship with other people that are doing the work that I'm doing. The community. <laughs> the yep. community, yes. So what's interesting, because I, I thought that's my, that might be what you were going to say. Uh, it's a big Those deal. three pieces are the recommendation from the burnout mm -hmm field mm -hmm. prevention field the burnout prevention field yes and I, I i hear you have i hear you expressing those not as a you know a affirmation of that research but as what you yourself have discovered oh, in absolutely. your own life yes. and yeah. when you perf when you reflect on the healing lineage mm -hmm. of what it means to be a to mean what it means to be a healer mm -hmm. that it needs to be focusing on our own growth and development so yes. this self-care yes. idea and then the continued learning or the professional development idea, and that that needs to be in the context of a relationally attuned community. Yeah. 
um, which those what's are the three wonderful points. is that all three of those function in synchrony together yeah. in healthy communities of healers. Yes, when done yes. well, they are. And it's all, all there. the same They're thing. We don't have to have you know three separate activities to achieve each different one. Um, that they are yeah synchronous mm -hmm. and, and simultaneous in so much of the work in the same way that um, you know we as humans benefit from our clients' work. Yeah. As we watch other humans heal, they are a mirror to us, and we're always doing our own work just by doing this work. Hopefully, um, and so we don't we don't have to keep them separate. But I I do think that it's a way of checking in with ourselves, especially if we are sensing the beginnings of or more of burnout. Of am I missing any of these essential nutrients? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have really been intentional, and just to reflect on Beyond's way of doing it, which isn't the right way, but this it's is our way, way mm -hmm. of honoring the meaning of those three pieces to the identity of a professional healer. Yeah. Um, you know, the community space that we've designed um, is really at the core, at the foundation, an intentional uh, attempt mm -hmm. at making some of those things feel really approachable to mm -hmm. people across the professional development landscape and immediately beneficial mm -hmm. to their work as well as all three of those components that they would feel that this does honor their person yeah. th their sense of self it reflects on that it, it offers different ways of actually attuning to the the wounds of that healer identity while also then helping us along. And what does it mean to do embodied therapy? Mm. What does that actually look like? What mm -hmm. does it mean? What have other people said about it? Mm -hmm. And how do I how do I find my place in that lineage? Yeah. What does that actually mean? Yeah. And the whole time you're immersed in this community. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, again, it's not the way, but it is our way of trying to be that lighthouse to people yeah. um, across the world who are going through the torment and, and overwhelm of a, a, a barren mm -hmm. um, or even developmental share, landscape. Even sharing in the, the passion and the joy, um, because sometimes, and I know both you and I have experienced this for sure, of if you're the only one in your immediate vicinity that gets as excited as you do about particular learnings and topics, it can feel tremendously lonely. Yeah. So in, in the same way that, um, you know, we want to share in the, the challenges and the torments that are ever present in doing this kind of work, having spaces to share the enthusiasm, yeah. the passion, the excitement, the, oh my gosh, I just found this article and it's like life changing and you need to read it right now and tell me what you think, which happens pretty often. Yes. <laughs> um, being able to be that expressive and enthusiastic about what we are discovering, I think, is just as enlivening. Yeah. And I mean, think of how vulnerable that is when we contextualize yeah. to actual subjective identity. Mm -hmm. This isn't just me saying, oh, this is a reference you need to know for your competence, external right. validation right. thing. This is, I am jacked on this. Like, like this think, is changing me. Yes, yes. I think this yeah. is really interesting and mm -hmm. I'm impacted by it. I find incredible... Um, synthesis in mm -hmm. what it's offering to what I've already been yes. interested in. And I would love to talk with you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a thing that um, maybe is pretty apparent on the surface, but is something that I think we can speak explicitly to because it highlights this well, is that within the, um, you know, the faculty 
of, you know, Beyond Healing Institute and everything that we offer, we have tremendous diversity, yeah. like a lot of diversity. Yeah. And yet that is the unifying theme amongst all of us. That's the brand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like the, the brand is enthusiasm about learning. And mutuality. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And encouraging each other in our passions. And, you know, a thing that I think I said to you maybe two days ago was, I, I need your brain on this. Mm -hmm. Because... In, in the midst of that diversity, there's a, a potency in the development of all of these different medicines. Because while I have a particular brand that is very Melissa, it's mm -hmm. pretty recognizable. Um, if your brain looks at that, you are going to necessarily see things that I do not. Yeah. And say, have you thought about this? Have you encountered it that way? Have you heard of this resource, et cetera? And necessarily, that makes it even more potent yes. and more robust it's not about and more holistic. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. And and we really like truly do not believe that one is better or more important than the other. Yeah, it's the the offering of all of it because at different points in our career and development, we need different nutrients, mm -hmm. and that is a like a basic tenet of the way that we do offerings we have such a diversity because we're offering things to humans mm. who have tremendous diversity of need of interest of passion and of personal development yes um and so when people encounter all of these different things that we offer that's part of why we do it that way mm. so that you can select which one feels most resonant for you now we don't want to prescribe what you should be doing yeah. and what you should be learning Yes, and that's where when you look at all of the things that Beyond does from every minute of every podcast to the YouTube space, to the community space, to the trainings we do and put together, to the ones we're designing to put together, to the consultation spaces that we offer around those trainings, mm -hmm. they're all very intentional. Yeah. They're all very thoughtful to help you feel invited and supported and seen and and nourished mm -hmm. in that space that you may find yourself in that you won't feel alone in it yes. because there's somebody to actually help you find the meaning that you may not have been able to articulate yet yeah. that yeah. this is where i'm struggling or this is what's hard for me or this is what my soul is craving mm -hmm. but i didn't even know mm -hmm. until you started talking mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it was like yeah that's all i've ever felt mm -hmm. um there's no coincidence to me that that's such a frequent remark yeah. in, in the spaces that are made it beyond and yeah. um so i'd love to maybe go through some of the different things that we have mm -hmm. at beyond mm -hmm. to really contextualize where they came from yeah. and why we're doing them yeah. and to just send that invitation to everybody mm -hmm. that listens to the podcast and mm -hmm. even if you're not going to take part in what beyond is doing think about your local community in this way right. like try it on yeah what would it mean for you to organize things to take to your community yeah. that yeah. look like this yeah i think uh you know continuing that metaphor of learning as nutrients mm. the the question to maybe hold as we're talking about this is what are you hungry for mm -hmm. and then uh, whether it's with us or, or somewhere else um, looking for what can answer that hunger yeah mm -hmm. yeah and what ingredients you have available in your community mm -hmm. um you know what <laughs> what plants are growing what <laughs> what uh, what uh, things can be on the menu there that's really again uh, such an individualized process yeah. um but within the world of emdr for thinking about that that's where this whole thing started um and we've mentioned already sort of the uh, rigid structure that exists under the 
under the umbrella of EMDRIA, mm -hmm. that to pursue professional development in EMDR means you're going to go through basic training and certification, mm -hmm. advanced trainings to get to consult consultant status, and then maybe become a trainer yourself. Yeah. Um, we have looked at that as a leadership team and said there has to be another way mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Without abandoning that way. I was just going to say yeah. <laughs> that that can help people along yeah. because I totally get that you, you know, everybody would have their own interests in mind when they're thinking about, well, I want to make sure that I can double dip with mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. um, that I can continue to, to build professional status in right. the world that's already recognized. Um, you know, it means something it when does. you change from trained in EMDR to certified. Yes. That means something yeah. and can change a lot of things. Um, but how can we also offer an invitation to deepen that mm -hmm. pursuit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious what it was like for you to think about doing professional development trainings hmm. within beyond. Mm -hmm. Like, why not just do individual consultation with people that are already on that track? Right. Like, why start? Well, I did it that way for a long time. Yeah. I, th I think that, uh, I mean, I think there was some pragmatic need of expanding and being able to interact with more people. Um, but then there's also the potency of the shared knowledge in a group setting that yeah. I find tremendously valuable. Insatiable. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it is just thrilling mm. to, um, you know, group source. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and mind share. Yeah, and that, yeah. yeah. Um, and really kind of highlights that value that we have of there is not one right way. There's not one uh, perfect or right medicine for any particular need. And I think that um, in group encounters, we discover the the beauty of diversity. Um, and it really sort of invites each person to recognize um, how they are cultivating and developing and brewing their own medicine in their body to then offer. Yeah. And that everybody is in the process of doing that. And that's good. Yeah. Even the trainers and the consultants Absolutely. and all of those, yes. they're, they're such a um, non-hierarchical mm -hmm. leadership structure yeah. uh, within Beyond that I really admire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you said there was some some necessity mm -hmm. uh, to and some pragmatics that said individual consultation was sort of the way to start. But then right. as we're building, why not create spaces that can actually take care of each of these mm -hmm. uh, developmental milestones that are necessary for yeah. continued development in the yes. EMDR world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know how this is going to feel to people to hear this, but I think there's also a lot of people that very practically maybe can't afford a lot of individual consultation. And so group settings are more affordable and more approachable. Yeah. The other thing is there's um, some natural insecurity of, you know, can I actually like call up a consultant and ask for a whole hour with them? What am I going to say for that whole hour? Right. <laughs> like I frequently I'll have people get on an individual call and they're like, I had like a million things to talk about. And now that I'm here with you, I have no idea what to say. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out together. Um, but I do think that the the bar is a lot lower in a group setting, mm -hmm. right? The, it, it feels more comfortable and welcoming for a lot of people. Um, and it's not that we don't make some individual time available mm -hmm. because we still do value it. But the group dynamic has so much richness, right? It's that extra bath of nutrients yeah. um, that I think is essential for all of us. And it's also the way that we cultivate that community. Yes. 
We can't have that if we're only ever doing one-on-one -on -one things. To be in a group, we just finished an immersive retreat here. And we had, you know, 12 therapists from all over the country here together for three days. And, you know, I had all this activity planned. And to be honest, by the by the third day, quite a bit of it just I didn't even bother. Went by the wayside. Because, yeah. <laughs> because the thing that I always hope happens happened, which is it becomes the, its own thing. Yeah, it's it's doing its own thing and mostly it's just about the relational connection and the being together. Yeah. That's the point. The what when the group matter. no longer needs a plan in order to benefit, then we, we have achieved That's something. Arrival. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, and that happens in consultation cohorts yeah. of as you build community together, you discover um, you know, how much richness is present. And it's not about the leader coming and saying something brilliant. It's simply about being together and sharing. And in that facilitated discussion. Yes. Yeah. And we have created spaces and um, just as a formal invitation to anyone listening to this podcast, if you're not already a part of the community, it's free mm -hmm. uh, to come and join uh, beyondhealingcommunity.com. You can set up your own uh, profile and then you'll be immersed in yes. this three-pillared world. This bath of nutrients <laughs> yes, constantly. Exactly. There's so much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. About continuing education and resources and yeah. then your own self-growth is really at the center of that. Mm -hmm. But then if you're interested in more within EMDR, there are several spaces that mm -hmm. have been set up to really hold different and unique uh, environments yeah. for that type of connection that you were just yes. talking about. If you're just trained in EMDR, we have something called EMDR Refresh, mm -hmm. which is a let's get back into the basics of EMDR, yep. but let's update it. Yes. Let's let's see what yeah. the world of neurobiology and embodied relational science has had to say mm -hmm. about this thing called therapy, yep. and then what EMDR can look like if we do it from that. Yep perspective. Yeah. And I'm getting ready to start a new cohort of yes. EMDR Refresh in November of 22. Of yeah. 22. If, so, you're yeah, to this depending later. on, you know, when in time and space you're listening to this. Um, but we have rolling cohorts of yes. that. So, you know, if if you're listening to this later and that's already passed, there is another one happening because yeah. that's a consistent offering for us. And particularly if um, you haven't been practicing a lot and want to renew uh, your skills with EMDR, it's a great place. Or if your basic training left you feeling kind of underconfident and unequipped or, or just right out scared, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> that happens too. Um, and, uh, you know, we all, all of us that teach EMDR Refresh kind of bring our own medicine to it. And, you know, in the cohorts that I'll teach, there is a lot of focus and will be a lot of focus on understanding the work that we're doing through the perspective of the nervous system and the body whether we're doing something directly um, like a somatic intervention or not, uh, looking at the eight phases of EMDR and really understanding what are we trying to achieve in the human nervous system with all of these phases? Because if you know that, it opens up your creativity and spontaneity. It's not and not just yes, about scripts. Yeah, it's like not... the scripts are there, but if something goes a little bit sideways, you're really supported in making very neurologically educated decisions yeah. about how to get where you want to go. Yes. And we've baked into that process, uh, speaking of double dipping, if you're interested at all in the certification process of EMDR, mm -hmm. that has advanced training hours associated mm -hmm. with it, mm -hmm. with the EMDR supplement, Yeah, um, which is, again, video content that you can engage with asynchronously um, that's going to help you along the journey of what is this EMDR thing really all about yeah. and what are we trying to do anyway mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you don't want to do certification that's okay too to. yep, just, just engage with it yep. you're already involved in the community then at that point um, and with that 
you can just continue on mm -hmm. and practice. Mm -hmm. So from there, then if you're already certified or if you've taken the EMDR refresh and you're down with the way we're talking about mm -hmm. it and want more, there's EMDR and advanced con or advanced application. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, another six month long cohort uh, that is designed to help you deepen your understanding of EMDR from a neurobiological and embodied relational science perspective. And you also get access to uh, this thing that we're doing called Drop In with Beyond, mm -hmm. which are another like separate space that you get to come and hear and engage in conversation with very specific concepts. Mm -hmm. um, I'm about to do one next week about how to track the body and processing. Uh, we got a whole bunch of people RSVP to that. Yeah. So we basically, you know, select topics that we know are of interest that we get a lot of questions about. And if you have things that you want us to talk about, let yeah. us know and we can add that to the yes. list. But it's a wide open exploratory forum that is super fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 90 minutes long. Mm -hmm. It has a bit of presentation within it, but then a lot of facilitated conversation. Yes. Um, I've done a couple that had some really great turnout as well. One of them was uh, how to select meaningful targets. Ooh, in EMDR. that's a good one. Yep, yeah, so that's yeah. a good one. And then creative resourcing uh -huh. in EMDR. Uh -huh. And then I have one in uh, later this month on the neuroscience of EMDR. Yes, yeah, fun. So I'm very excited. Get a reference Ray Bergman a oh, little bit. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that's right. Have to get a shout out. Yep. Have to give a shout out. Um, and that space you know there's all kinds of things going on as well angela is doing some mm -hmm. with uh yoga polyvagal MDR, theory polyvagal, yep. yes yep. so there's just amazing things that get added to the structure of emdr refresh when we look at the advanced application yes. group mm -hmm. um, as well you'll get the advanced training hours there if you're interested in certification mm -hmm. and that's also the space where we kind of go deeper into some of the more challenging presentations beyond the basics yes very far beyond the basics so um, things like, what do we do with dissociation and EMDR? Um, how to know when are we really ready to move into the bigger targets? Um, how do you integrate ego state work in EMDR? How do you integrate body-focused interventions with EMDR? Um, basically, the world is our, our oyster when it comes to, you know, how, how does EMDR become so much more than the original scripts that we were given in basic training? because there are a lot of brilliant individuals that are taking what EMDR has shown us to be possible and applying them in very creative ways. So that's kind of our space to look at this from all kinds of angles together. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And then we obviously have our EMDR certification mm -hmm. cohorts, which yeah. are sort of rolling in who and what is happening yes. <laughs> with that. But in those processes, you're looking at eight month long cohorts mm -hmm. that have access to the drop-in with Beyond, the EMDR supplement, so you're getting your advanced training hours and you're getting really intentional one-on-one uh, -on -one time yes. with your consultants yes. um, to really move people along this process of certification that outside of uh, the pretty um, you know surface level expectations of what's supposed to happen it's mm -hmm. kind of like the wild west <laughs> with what certification can look like yeah. um, and one of the pieces that we really value at beyond is the ability to offer payment plans for all of this mm -hmm. because we don't want it to feel overwhelming like cost mm -hmm. as a barrier mm -hmm. um, but it, it really is something that we've put a lot of time and effort and energy into making sure people can access it yes. yeah um, and we may not talk in as much detail about this but 
um, in the way that we have this buffet of offerings for EMDR equally, we have a buffet of offerings for somatic integration and processing. Yes. So all of that is also present on communities. So when you get on there, you're going to see a lot of stuff about um, SIP trainings, uh, SIP uh, in mm. clinical application groups. And the advanced application In groups, the advanced yeah. application, we're getting ready to start some cohorts uh, next year around uh, somatic embodiment for therapists, how to cultivate embodiment for yourself, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I'm really excited about. So um, we have that that whole cluster of offerings that are focused on the other half of our work. Yes, exactly. Of yes, yeah. and, and really what kind of nuances or deepens our understanding of EMDR, mm -hmm. um, case conceptualization, and just how to think about and feel through what is coming up in the room. Yes. Um, and I'm really excited for those somatic uh, cohorts to begin mm -hmm. as well, because there's such a, it's not a new interest by any means, but I think there's been some real um, buzz around the world of somatics in our culture as healers. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about Beyond in that way is it's contextualizing that or plugging that into the historical yes. roots, that this yes. isn't a new thing. Oh, the it's actually the oldest thing. Like super <laughs> yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's yeah. actually the oldest yes. thing uh -huh. um, to this field, which is really interesting. Uh -huh. But then with that as well, we can help to translate both back to that language mm -hmm. and from that language yes. with our uh, modern interventions and what we're doing in professional yeah. therapy. Yeah, yeah. so ju just as like a, I don't know, a, a summary of what you just said, right now, probably what I would say are the threads that are coming together in the world of somatics are the old body psychotherapies, meaning the things that were developed in Europe, you know, back during the war, like mm -hmm. a long, long time mm -hmm. ago, that were um, known about by psychoanalysts uh, and sort of ignored, but also sort of integrated. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, theoretically integrated, yeah. intervention-wise, you know, not so it's much. It's very fascinating. Like a lot of it was because the psychoanalysts were dating the women that were going to the <laughs> yeah. somatics classes. Like this is so real. Like so many examples that. of this. Like, you know, and and like mm -hmm. sometimes they were like dating the same person. Anyway, it was very, very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, a little soap opera of yeah. our history. A lot of drama. Um, but... A lot of drama. So there's that and, and our roots. But what is coming together right now is um, the need for tying together the somatic uh, applications, meaning the activities, the things that were actually developed to help people have a deeper connection with their body, plus the neuroscience yes, and the articulation yeah. and the meaning making Expression. of all of that. And when you bring those three things together of I can have this embodied experience I can also have embodied articulation and meeting making. And when, when the practitioner understands what is actually happening in the nervous system as a whole and how to be in the intricacies of that change process, ooh, it gets yeah. really rich and exciting. Yes. So I yeah. might be giving a, a teaser to what I think my dissertation is going to well, be. Well, yeah, about you as well. turn it into <laughs> embodied and articulate yes. intuition. Oof. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's magic right there. <laughs> is. That is what it that is. is. Yes. So there are so many things uh, out there. And again, if you're listening to this and are thinking about your local community, that's again, how can we be creative together on how we're organizing spaces and conversations and relationships mm -hmm. around this professional development world? Because it really is to me, one of the most dynamic components of this profession mm -hmm. that we live in, which is you, you get to have community in it. And if you don't put intention with that, it will fall into, I'm just taking CE courses yeah. that I click through and then submit that for my licensure. Mm -hmm. And I'm just... Not that any of us have ever done that. No, no. no. <laughs> but 
what a what a sad thing that is to me when we look at what it could be yeah which is a, a relationship that is more meaningful to me than really anything else yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where the light becomes our own like our, mm -hmm. our, we, you know we turn ourselves into lighthouses that can mm -hmm. be uh, a beacon of safety and refuge mm -hmm. for others an invitation yeah. to other healers that need connection yes mm -hmm. so again beyondhealingcommunity.com is where the community lives and then if you're just interested to see what beyond is doing uh, connectbeyondhealing.com is going to have all of our that's our website so you're going to see everything mm -hmm. that is going on mm -hmm. um, and we have a course calendar that's that we pay a lot of attention to to make sure it's up to date but the end of 22 and the beginning of 23 are, are launching a lot of these things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've got uh, both EMDR Refresh and EMDR in Advanced Application uh, launching in November of 22. Yep. So come hang out. Yes. And then we've got a maybe a certification. Starting up. Yeah. You and I are doing a certification group together. together. Yes. That'll begin in December. Yes. 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 Uh -huh. And that will we'll walk through... Uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to yeah, that. That'll it's be, be really fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You and I so, haven't taught just the two of us together in a while. Long so time. That'll be a blast. Yeah. <laughs> that will be so much fun. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> um, so, yes, if you're listening, um, you know, please follow through and, and take a look at some of those things. And we'd love to see you on the community. Mm -hmm. It's totally free to you. And then everything else from there is up, is up to you on mm -hmm. how you want to engage with that. Mm -hmm. um, anything else? No, just that I love what we get to do. Yeah. The space is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It really is. All right. Well, take care and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you on talk there. to you next time. <laughs> we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast. <laughs>